Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we, we thank you for the life that you've given us. We thank you for bringing us here today in this context of worship to recognize you for who you are, to recognize you in all of your goodness, in all of your grace. Thank you for showering your blessings out upon us and giving us this opportunity to gather together and lift up your name and give praise to you. And thank you for the opportunity, God, for us to, to give back to you. To focus this time on seeing you in all of your beauty and all of your glory. For seeing you through the truth of your word that you've given us. And I pray that we'll get a clear uh, picture of who you are. A clear picture of how much you love us as we continue to worship now and as we open up your word. And God, I just pray that our attitude will be, um, I surrender all. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I encourage you to open your Bible with me this morning to the book of 2 Peter. uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we've been in this little book for the last couple of months and it has been very timely and very prophetic for the days in, in which we live. I don't know about you, but I, I love celebrations. Celebrations are, are awesome. They're great. Uh, this past week, we had the opportunity of, of, of celebrating another family member who has entered into our family. Allie and Morgan and Benjamin now have a little baby sister that have joined their life. And yeah, it's, it's a great celebration when, when new life comes into this world. Uh, one of the most foundational beliefs as Christians is that every single human being from the moment of conception until death is precious. Uh, Vacation Bible School this year is focusing on the fact that every creation of God, every human being is a creation of God who's created in the image of God. Every Every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. We celebrate new life in our family, in our church family. This week, John Dempsey, who so faithfully has been a member of our church for five years prior to COVID, he would come into our church services almost every week carrying an oxygen tank. John has been a faithful member of our church. And uh, yesterday morning, very early, John Dempsey passed from life on this earth into eternity. He's now celebrating. I mean, I can just picture John right now. He's been carrying that old oxygen tank around for so long. I can just picture him now uh, just celebrating, running, jumping up and down, breathing uh, in the presence of God. Every life from conception throughout eternity is a precious gift of God. Last week, I'm sure you're aware that in a monumental decision, the United States Supreme Court affirmed that there is no constitutional right to end life in the womb. And we celebrate that. We celebrate the fact that finally, after 50 years of uh, struggling and wobbling, 
our Supreme Court has now agreed with the law of God. See, the, the, the Supreme Court doesn't set the law of God. The law of God is truth. And we celebrate the fact that, at least for this period in time, our country has now turned down to recognizing the fact that God's law is law, and it's the best law. Since 1973, millions of unborn souls have been robbed of the right to life. Life is precious. And we will continue the fight to defend every life from conception throughout death and into eternity. And God deserves praise and thanks for this great celebration that we are a part of in in our country and in our culture today. Again, in, in God's eyes, every life is super incredible. Every life is super valuable. And so we celebrate life. This time of the year, it's great to join in to celebrations. Every nation celebrates its heroes with holidays and festivals. And today we celebrate the birth of our country. The independence that we enjoy as a country is worthy of celebration. I pray that you take some time to reflect and thank God for the freedom that we enjoy today because of the sacrifice of so many from our great past. But I want you to know that the greatest celebration day has not yet come. We're looking forward to the day of God, the day of the Lord, which is coming, and which Simon Peter points us toward in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. He turns his attention to believers to instruct us on how to live in light of the coming day of God. In these last days, living free is a challenge. And we're going to look at that this morning. So open your Bible with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 11 through 13, and you read along with me as I read. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 11. Let's dive into it. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We give praise to God today for His Word And I pray that we will obey the truth of His Word as we read it and process it today. So what does it mean to live free in these last days? Three things. First of all, living free calls us to dedication. In verse 11, he says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved... What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now, the sense here is taking us back to the previous verse, verse 10. Verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, 
and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so, judgment is coming to this earth. Judgment is coming, and all heavenly bodies and the surrounding earthly bodies will, the Bible says, be burned up. Poof, they're going to be dissolved. So Peter is saying, in light of this reality, in light of God's judgment, since these things are going to all be dissolved, what kind of people should we be until the day of God comes, until the day of the Lord arrives? Well, my thesis this morning is that you are free to dedicate your life to godliness and holiness until the day of God comes. Until judgment on sin is completely poured out here on this earth. Some of you are tracking with me through the Old Testament in daily Bible readings this year. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the major prophets. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel will, will come in the days to come. These major prophets were faithful in following the calling of God to call God's people to turn away from sin and turn back to God. They gave clear warnings and God's people were free to examine their lives and to turn back to God. You know what one of the saddest pictures in the world is? These people had clear warnings that God's judgment was coming if they did not turn back to Him. And sadly, most of these followers of God, most of these believers in God, kept going the way of the world instead of turning back to God. How sad. But you know what's even sadder? You and I have clear warning and instruction from God that the day of God is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And we have an opportunity to repent and turn away from our way of sin and turn back to God. I trust we will heed that warning. We know, we know a lot about warnings. In, in 1998, just 24 years ago, the Weather Bureau put out a warning that there was going to be a serious hurricane that's going to hit Central America. On October 28, 1998, over 11,000 people were killed in that hurricane because they didn't heed the warning. The warnings were very clear, and yet they did not heed the warning. And consequently, Hurricane Mitch became the second most devastating hurricane on record according to loss of human lives. Warnings are critical. We know that in our area. I mean, we get warnings about storms, and we know that warnings are critical, and it's critical that we heed these warnings. But Simon Peter says that in light of God's warning, judgment is coming. And in light of that, we ought to be holy and we ought to be godly. Now, what does it mean to be holy and godly? 
Holiness and godliness start with knowing Jesus personally. You can't be holy, you can't be godly until you plug your life into the life of Jesus. You accept His offer to turn to Him and repent of your sin and let Him take the payment for the penalty of your sin. Only when you know Jesus, and I'm not just talking about knowing about Jesus here. I'm talking about truly knowing Him. I think I can give you an example to help understand this. The name Hunter Renfro is a very well-recognized name in our area. I mean, he grew up in this church. Uh, for some of you who may have moved here recently, he played football over at Soxty and then went to Clemson, made an All-American football player at Clemson University. And today, he is playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. A very Made the Pro Bowl last year, was the All-Star in the Pro Bowl last year. Last week, I researched, and there are 226,000 followers of Hunter Renfro on Instagram. There are 94,000 Twitter followers of Hunter Renfro on Facebook and social media. I would wager to say that during football season, if you name the name Hunter Renfro, over a million people in our country would say, oh yeah, I know Hunter Renfro. But guess what? They don't really know Hunter Renfro. I mean, not like I know him personally. See, you can know about somebody. You can know a lot about somebody and not really know them. I trust and pray today that you don't fall into that trap of knowing about Jesus without actually knowing him. Because holiness and godliness starts by knowing Jesus. Holiness and godliness cannot be accomplished without knowing Jesus. But when you know Him and when you walk with Him, here's what holiness and godliness prove in your life. They prove that you are no longer fearful of God's judgment that's coming. When you know Jesus, there is nothing to fear because He gives you an avenue. He gives you a way he gives you the path in order to become holy and godly in His eyes and through His strength. When you know and walk with Jesus, holiness and godliness refocus your priorities. Your treasures are not on this world, on this earth. You're free to choose how you will spend your time and resources as well as how you will spend eternity when you walk with Jesus and when you know Him. A result of knowing Him and walking Him is holiness and godliness. You have two choices. You can spend your time and your resources piling up possessions here on this earth that, very clear, going to be burned up. <laughs> or you can spend your time and resources investing in walking with Jesus, walking in the kingdom, which will last for eternity. Holiness means that I start and finish every day spending time with God. Holy means that I live life separated from evil because I'm pursuing God. I'm running after God rather than pursuing evil. 
Dedication is a key word to holiness and godliness. You're free to make the choice to dedicate your life to knowing Jesus and following him in holiness and godliness. Living free calls us to dedication. Believers ought to, Peter said, we ought to be growing in holiness and godliness. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself as I ask it to myself. Am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? See, every single day before I go to bed at night, I ought to ask myself that question. I ought to ask myself, today, have I grown in holiness and godliness? A little later we're going to talk about what that looks like, how to do that. Living free, secondly, though, calls us to action. It calls us to action. This is not something that is without effort. In verse 12 of 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, waiting for the hastening, the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly beings' bodies will melt as they burn. Now, waiting here is an interesting word. <clears throat> waiting is not something that you and I are good at, are we? I mean, we don't like to wait. We talked about this last week. Waiting, though, is not passive. It's not sitting around hoping that Jesus comes back to clean up the messes in this world or hoping that Jesus comes back so I won't have to pay the consequences for the bad choice that I made yesterday or the sin that I committed today. That's not what he's talking about when he's talking about waiting. Waiting is following the heart of God. God is, the Bible says, long-suffering. Back in verse 9 last week, we said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so, Peter is carrying this thought forward one step. I'm so thankful that God is patient, aren't you? I'm so thankful that God is long-suffering, the Bible says. And you should be glad for that as well. Few people I know, including myself, are, are really, really patient. We want what we want, and, you know, we want it now. Uh, I see that in my grandchildren all the time. It's not just in, in three-year-olds that this is true. It's in, you know, 80- and 90-year-olds as well and all in between. But for thousands of years... God waited until just the right time to send a Savior into the world. His waiting was not passive. He sent leaders to lead His people away from sin and lead His people to Him. He sent prophets to call His people away from sin and call them to holiness in their walk before God. And He continues to give us that call today. But then... Just at the right time, finally, God became human flesh. He came and lived among us. But as stubborn as human beings are 
and have been. They rejected him. They tortured him. They crucified him. But then thanks be to God, he arose from the grave victorious. And what did he give us a promise of? He's going to come back again. But my point is, God's patience, God's waiting has not been passive. And neither should our waiting be passive either. He's coming. He's coming again. And we are free to be on mission with him until he comes. What does that mean? What does it mean to be on mission with the Lord? Well, he continues to call us into action. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, when Peter was first launching his preaching ministry after the resurrection of Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 21 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So Peter's first message, and now his last message, is to call human beings to repentance and to look forward to that day when God is going to destroy all evil, including this earth and the celestial beings around the earth, and send us a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, we're free. We're free to repent. We're free to follow God's call into active service through repentance. We're free to be forgiven. But then we're free to follow God's plan in godliness and holiness. And be willing, along with the Apostle Paul, to say to the world, if you want to know what it looks like to know God, look at me. If you want to, look, if you want to know what it looks like to know Jesus and follow Jesus, look at me. That should be the attitude of every believer in Christ until the day of the Lord comes. Have you repented of your sin? In your heart, have you said, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I don't want my sin to keep me from knowing you and walking with you and having a relationship with you. Have, have you done that? Have you said, God, I'm going to turn away from my sin and I want to make all of life about Jesus? If you've never done that, do it now. Do it today. Don't wait. But if you have done that, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 was written to believers. And here's what he says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession of sin takes action. And I sense that Simon Peter is calling people to be urgent about being active in confessing our sins before God. We're free to be confessional. We're free to be watchful and look for Him to come back. But we're also free to every day confess our sins in an active way. Hastening the coming of the day of the Lord 
means that we are sharing our faith with those who are far from God because we truly believe that the day of the Lord is going to come. The day of God is coming. And the more people we share our faith with, the sooner the day of the Lord is going to occur. And that's what he means by hastening the day of the Lord because the earth and the universe will melt with fire. People are going to be destroyed. And that should drive our heart to action. Many of us have plans for celebrating the 4th of July, celebrating Independence Day. Plans are important to celebrations. So here are just a few ways that you can plan to look forward and hasten the coming day of the Lord. One way is to care about your neighbors and your friends. Be willing to ask them questions about faith. One question I like to ask people, I ask it all the time, I love to ask it. It opens up the door to share a witness for the gospel. It's very simple. How can I pray for you? When I ask somebody that question and they respond, then it gives me an open door to follow their train of thought and how to pray for them and simply sharing the gospel into that need that they have or that thought that they have or that request that they have. I want to challenge you to pray longer and pray harder for missionaries. Uh, we have a website with our International Mission Board. International Mission Board. It's imb.org. If you go to imb.org and click on it and go to the prayer button, you have hundreds of ways that you can pray daily for real needs of real people. I shared last week or last time I shared that, you know, at the Southern Baptist Convention this year, we had the privilege of, of uh, commissioning 52 more missionaries. And every missionary that we commission in this day and time goes to the 1040 window. And in the 1040 window... Most of these people, listen to this, have never heard the name of Jesus. And when you pray for our missionaries that are penetrating those areas with the gospel, you're hastening the coming day of the Lord. Because people are going to respond. Those who are going to respond will respond to the gospel. Another way is to serve the church in an area where you're gifted. Jesus loved the church and gave his life for it. Simon Peter was a great example for serving until his last breath on earth. As long as you and I have breath, as long as we're breathing, we ought to be serving God through the local church like Palmetto Shores. We serve with our gifts in the church. We serve with our gifts outside the church in the kingdom. Because we want to hasten the coming day of the Lord. Some of you could serve best by praying. I remember 20 or so years ago, I was going through a very rough time in my life. I went to seven different men and asked them if they would be willing to pray specifically for me 
on the seven days of the week. Every day of the week, I knew that I had a faithful man praying for me. Changed my whole direction of life, my whole attitude. I would challenge you to get involved in praying for each other, praying for one another. Ask people to pray for you. It was incredibly encouraging. A couple of weeks ago, I, I got an email from one of the friends that I'd asked to pray. He said, I'm still praying for you every Monday. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Keep on praying for me. I need it more than ever. One last way, in addition to serving, to be ready for the day of the Lord, is to... Continue to give sacrificially to support your church. God's standard for giving is the tithe. That's the first 10% of my earnings. I give back to God, trusting Him that He's going to use that to be a blessing for His kingdom. Now, let me be really clear here. Really clear. I do not know what one single person in this church gives through this church. Not one. The only person I know who gives to this church is my wife and me. I know what we give, but I don't know what anybody else gives. So I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody, and I'm not looking over your shoulder. This is between you and God. If you want to open up a window to blessings from God, though, just be faithful to Him. Do what He asks you to do. And one of the things He asks us to do is give through the storehouse, through the local body. You need to be a member of the church. That's what God's Word teaches us, to be connected to community. And we need to be faithful in giving. Why do I tithe? Why do I give over and above the tithe? Why do I give sacrificially? Gail and I tithe and give sacrificially through this church because, first of all, we want to be obedient to God. Secondly, we tithe and give sacrificially through this church because we know that every single dollar that we give is going to go to lead some man, some woman, some student around the world to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The gospel is going to be spread around the world because of our faithfulness in giving. We tithe and sacrificially give because we understand the fact that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And there are some people in the world today who hear the gospel because you were faithful in following God's plan to tithe and sacrificially give. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but it ought to make you feel awesome. Awesome to know that God wants to use you in your obedience to follow His plan to bring men and women and students to a saving knowledge of the gospel. And that in itself will hasten the coming day of the Lord. The things of the world are going to burn up. So we have a choice. We can invest time and talents and money in things of this world, or we can invest our time and talents and resources, our money, in sharing the gospel through God's church, which is going to last for eternity, forever and ever and ever.
Somebody said you can't take your money with you, but you can send it on ahead. And it can be a blessing for eternity. And that's what I want to be a part of. So be ready for the day of the Lord. Waiting is not passive. Living free calls us to action. And then finally this morning, living free calls us to be examined. In verse 13, 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. So we are free to look forward to God's promise to burn this world with purifying fire because it it means that God's going to fulfill another one of His promises. He will recreate. He will give us a new heaven and a new earth in which we will enjoy as we believe in Christ and do life with Him for eternity, forever and ever and ever. So God's purpose for your life and the life of every person on this earth is not for destruction, but for recreation. God's purpose for people is not annihilation, but renewal. Starting anew. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22, and Isaiah 65, 17 promise that God will purify the heavens and the earth with fire, then He will recreate anew. Romans chapter 8, verse 21 promises that we can all look forward to the restoration of God's good world. It's going to be perfect. Doesn't get any better than perfect. I mean, that's the recreation promise of God. In Revelation chapter 21, and I challenge you during this 4th of July weekend, I challenge you to sit down and read Revelation chapter 21. God promises in Revelation chapter 21 a new heaven and a new earth. In verse 27 of Revelation 22, He says, But nothing unclean will ever enter it. Not anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. What? Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Do you see the problem here? How am I going to enter if nothing unclean will ever enter it? How are you going to anticipate entering it if nothing unclean will ever enter it? Well, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the door to life. That Lamb's book of life that he talks about here is Jesus. And Jesus opens the door for us to enter into God's perfect kingdom, not because we're perfect, but because He's perfect. When I put my life in Him and anchor my life in Him, then God looks at me and God sees Jesus. And the same is true for all who believe in the name of Jesus. You're clean only by the blood of Jesus, only by the Lamb of God. And that's why the Lamb's Book of Life has the name of every person who's been written in it. And every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life is covered by the life of Jesus. 
And that's how we're going to enter into God's perfect kingdom. But while we're here on this earth, Simon Peter says, that's not time to sit back and do nothing. That's the time for us to continue to grow, to be more and more and more like Jesus. The only way to truly live free today is to surrender your life as I surrender my life to become a slave to Jesus. That's it. That's the only way. How many of you are students in school? Raise your hand if you're a student, if you're in school. Okay, we have several. We have many students here. Okay, yeah, I see you all over the place. Way to go, students. Thanks for worshiping with us today. How do you feel when you have exams, when you have an examination? Well, here's the fact. If you are 100% prepared for the examination, you don't mind taking an examination, right? If you're 100% prepared, if you know the subject matter, examinations are a breeze. They're no big deal. And that's what Simon Peter is saying here. He's saying examinations are not frightening to those who are prepared. And when Jesus is your Savior... And when you and I are living to become more and more and more and more like Jesus, we don't worry about the final judgment. We don't worry about the examination. Because we are safe in the life of Jesus. We're safe in the blood of the Lamb. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So once again, I want to ask you, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you come to that place where you have trusted Jesus to be your Savior, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Because when you believe, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and then you are free to ask God to uncover areas in your life that need cleansing and purifying and healing. You're free to open up your life throughout the day to the presence of God as He walks with you and talks with you and leads you to be a light for Him, to be a witness for Him. Richard Foster is one of my favorite authors. He's my age, and he wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, which is an incredible guide to fasting and praying and walking with God. But then he wrote another book entitled Prayer, just simply prayer. And he dedicates an entire chapter in his book on prayer to the, the, the idea of examine, examine. Here's what he shares, and I quote, he says, It's a tragedy that it is actually possible today for people to go to church services week in and week out for years without having a single experience of spiritual examine. No wonder people today are weak. No wonder they are barely hanging on. Today, and I hope every Sunday that we share a service like this together, I hope that you feel called to examine your life and let God examine your life and open up your life to repent of sin so that you can be an example for Jesus day after day after day that's worthy of other people looking at that's worthy of other people following 
Again, verse 13 of 2 Peter 3 says, But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Waiting is not passive. It's active. Do you want righteousness to dwell in your life? If so, then open up your life to the examination of the Holy Spirit and maybe even ask other people to help examine your life. It takes courage to do that. It takes an attitude of change. Righteousness dwells best in the examined life. So that's where living free calls us. It calls us to be examined. I meet every month with about 30 pastors, local pastors in our region. Three different groups, 10 in different areas of our county. And we ask each other the hard questions. We want to be pure. We want to be godly. We want to be examples that stand the test. And so we meet together once a month and we ask each other hard questions. You need to know that here on this staff, Morgan connects monthly with each staff member, including me, and leads us in a personal check-in every month. Let me just give you some questions that we have to answer to him every month. First of all, we have to answer to God, but we also have to answer to Him. And I would encourage you to ask some people in your life to put together some of these questions to follow as well. Here's some of the questions he asked on the personal check-in. How is your heart? What is God teaching you? Where and when and are you able to enjoy personal time with God? How would you describe your current attitude towards life? How are the relationships in your life? What is keeping you from thriving? Who are you developing, discipling, equipping? What did you do to grow yourself this month? How did you get vulnerable this month? What do you need from me to thrive? Are there any hard conversations that you are avoiding? What change do you need to make to grow spiritually? These are the kinds of questions, and there are a few more, and I'm telling you, he intimidates me sometimes with these questions, and I'm sure staff feels the same way, but you know what? Examination is a good thing. It's a good thing. So being examined is part of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. So how can I wrap this up today? We're going to finish up, pick up here next week and finish the chapter, Lord willing. I'm looking forward to it. But today I just want to remind us that living free calls us to be examined So how can we apply that? Living free means that you choose to be a slave to Jesus. So I guess I've really tricked us this morning because there's no such thing as really being free. No such thing at all to really being free. 
reality is that according to God's word, you are either a slave to the way of this world or you're a slave to Jesus. You only, you only have two choices, and neither way are you really free. You're a slave one way or the other. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Joshua was coming to the end of his life. And he looked at the mass collection of God's people, the children of Israel, and here's what he said. He said, today is the day for you to make a choice. Choose today whom you will serve. There's two ways, he said. He said, you can choose the way of the world, the way of the Amalekites and all the people of, who are pursuing foreign gods. He said, you can choose the way of the world, or you can choose God's way. He drew the line in the sand. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So have you made that choice? You're a slave either to the way of the world or you're a slave to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus put a personal application on this. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. In Matthew 6, he says, you will either serve the way of the world or you'll serve me. He said, you have a choice. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Who's going to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Only the righteous. How are you righteous today? Only through Jesus. So as we celebrate Independence Day, as we celebrate the 4th of July, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Every time you see a firework go up in the air, and you're going to see them. They're going to be all over the horizon around our, our county, our area. Some of you are even going to be crazy enough to be shooting them off. Every time you see a firework go up in the sky, remember, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of God is coming. Could be today. And I'm ready. That's my prayer, that every single one of you will be ready. God, thank you today that, yes, the, the day of the Lord is coming, but there's nothing that we have to fear when our life is anchored in Jesus. And I pray, God, that not one person would go through another minute of another day without putting their faith and trust and hope in Jesus. God, if there's a person here today who's never repented and turned away from their sin and turned to you, I pray they would do that right now in just the, the simplest way they know how. Say, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus is my Savior and I trust Jesus to be my Lord. And from this moment on, I want to spend the rest of my life giving praise and glory and honor to Jesus. Father, thank you for giving us that warning that the day of the Lord is coming. And right now, help us to surrender everything that we are, everything that we can be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we stand together and continue to worship.